Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kick-Ass Conversations with Louise and Kim. And today we are joined by Amber Brayband. She is joining us from the lovely Illinois. Um, that's where she is in the world. And as you know, Louise and I are north of the border. <laughs> um, so let us know if you're joining us live where you are joining in from. Um, you can just drop it in the comments and whatever platform you're joining with us from. As we get started, we're going to learn a little bit more about Amber in a few minutes, but as we get started, what are we celebrating this week? Amber, do you want to start? Sure. Um, and thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what I'm celebrating as we start into the new year, you know, I kind of have goals throughout the year. I don't, I don't really do New Year's resolutions. And over the past year, I went from knowing my core values to actually living them. And it was just one of those moments where you just feel like you've made it. You know what I mean? Because it's that happiness that kind of comes over you. And so I would say I'm still living in that moment of being able to live my core values every day. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's so awesome. It's like you were listening to our podcast last week. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about living our values. Really? That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Louise, what do you? Oh, we have somebody joining us from Hawaii. I bet it's warmer there. <laughs> Can I come uh, visit? <laughs> right, exactly. Like we're on our way. Yeah. Um, I I love that Amber. Like that. It's it's almost like you're still like um in the glow, right? Yes. Like when something like really lands and it just it just starts to feel so good and smooth and and there's an ease that comes with that and then there's mm -hmm. also that like it's kind of like glowing, right? And yeah. and and just to be in that space. Um, I love that. Uh, I'm celebrating. Uh, coming together, I think this week, just having some uh, some things really start to like um, come to fruition a little bit, and I'm really starting to see like all this hard work and all of this energy just start to to I don't know what it is blossom maybe, and and it's been a real coming together. Kim and I and our um, we'll talk a little bit later about our uh, cohort that we have for uh, for the first part of this year for members to come into our Kick-Ass Career Collective. So that's all really coming together and gelling. And so I, I really appreciated this week um, of all of these little things kind of like just getting stuck together. I'm, I don't usually like sticky, um, mm -hmm. but this week I, I kind of like this idea of kind of this gelling uh, that's happening in a lot of areas. There's a difference between gelling and sticking. Yeah, I guess yeah. there is, right? Yeah. 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 When I think yeah. of so I worked in a school for nine years. I think of sticky children and like <laughs> I don't care how old they are, because we went from pre-K like toddler, two years old up to 14 years old. And at all ages, children are sticky. Um, I, I love them, but they're sticky. So um yeah, I think I am celebrating just being here with the two of you. <laughs> it has been, it has been a week. Um, it's as the, and it's interesting because I was talking with several clients this week that kind of were feeling the, feeling the end to January and entering into February and still feeling like 22 is still attached to the back of us. Um, and I, I think I've come into that realization for myself too. I haven't fully released, um, what was behind, um, in 22 mm. and, um, 
it's it it feels a little heavy still. I'll be really really honest. And so it's I, I'm just really glad to be here because this this space feels um, like where I want to be right now. So I'm celebrating that. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And we invite anybody who's listening um, live, or even if you're catching the replay, um, please let us know what you're celebrating so we can celebrate right along with you as well. Um, I'm going to tell the people about you, Amber, just a little bit, and then we're going to find out more about you from you. So Amber Brabant is currently the Global Chief People and Culture Officer at Spyro, a global brand experience agency. Amber has over 20 years of experience in leading global teams. Her expertise lies in the thoughtful leadership of the employee experience. Man, I wish I like those words just feel so <laughs> It's like, woo, that sounds sexy. Um, she has extensive experience in culture, talent, and strategy. She has served uh, in various industries from fintech to marketing. Um, she holds a bachelor's degree in business management and is certified as a Lean Six Sigma black belt. Wow, and is a member of Chief. And we are just so glad to have you here, Amber. This is going to be a phenomenal conversation today. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit about kind of your career journey and how you got to to where you are. Working like it like Kim says, like like a sexy, it just sounds so fantastic. <laughs> um, I want to hear a little bit about about your career journey and how you got to to where you are. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, um, you know, it's weird. I look at it as different phases of my life. And, you know, I started out, it was quite a laddered approach, right? So it would be, I went from position to position in human resources and companies that were, you know, $1 billion or to $5 billion to $100 million. And it's what you would expect, right? I, I really got my feet wet. That's where I built my foundation. And, and that's how I started. And then, so I went from ladder and then how I would describe it is almost like a game board. Like if you think about the game of life and how you have different sections on the board, think about that as different disciplines that you would have in a company. And when I moved after probably about a decade or a little bit over, I moved to supply chain. And honestly, the rinse and repeat of it all, I just got bored with. So I thought, why not do what I love to do? And that's to solve problems, right? And so I'd be in these meetings and they'd say, hey, you have a lack, we have lackluster growth. And I'm like, how can we solve this problem? And so what I would do is say, here's a solution. Let's build an inside sales team. Here's the budget. Here's the process. And honestly, I would just talk to people and just make it up and see if it sticks. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so, and that's what I kept doing. And I did that in supply chain for almost a decade. And we would have a branch that's not profitable. And so I'd say, you know what, just send me down there. You know, let, let's just see what's going on. So I would talk to people, talk to the clients and come back and say, you know what, you need to do these 10 things. This is, and they're like, great, go do it. And so when you become successful at solving problems, what do you do? You just go around and solve more problems. So Fast forward to, you know, eight years at, at a company and I traveled around the world and had beautiful experiences and was able to really lead the operation. So I moved away from human resources for, for quite some time. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and, and I really wanted, uh, you know, human behavior is fascinating to me. Like, I love it. And, and I just really wanted to get back into it. And I'm like, you know, I can solve problems in any discipline. 
at, at all. And, and what I really want to do is be my authentic self. And I want to go back and I want to spend time learning and spend time educating and have a huge focus on human behavior. And so that's what has led me to Spyro today. That's fantastic. I love that, you know, when you can, when you can find that authenticity, like in who you really are and find those, like those things that kind of live deep within inside you and yeah. and use them in your in your work and in your career right and it does lead to um that expansiveness and it leads you to opportunities right and you're not pigeonholed in an industry or in a in a place you can you take that with you wherever it is that you go it's not that you ever started over right it's that you just you kind of evolve but that, that thread of that knowing, right, who, yes. who you are and what you want, um, you can take that anywhere. I completely agree. It's so funny because the one thing that I talk about and I, I communicate is about transferable skills and adaptability. And it was like, and that's exactly what you're honed in on is like being adaptable and using those transferable skills, like critical thinking, what job or what career can you think of that you don't need critical thinking skills? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And um, so I completely agree. And, and, you know, that was a clear case of being able to use those skills and, and just having different types of experiences to kind of make you who you are today. I'm a true believer. It doesn't really matter the discipline. It matters about the person and and their behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. And then finding a culture that fits who you are too, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Environment plays a huge role and a huge factor in creativity and innovation and just feeling that you can be who you are. If you, if you have to hide pieces of yourself, it really weighs on you and you just, you just can't really perform the way that you need to. And what's so interesting is through everything that I'm hearing you say, and, and that uh, Louise is kind of expounding on it a bit more is it's that values part that you were celebrating at the very beginning. Yes. Right. And so having that opportunity to explore the values over time and then recognize, go back and recognize the values, it sounds like your values, and then yeah. recognize that you're actually living into them, um, which then up levels it to that even next level. Right. Because you can feel it. You can, you mm-hmm. know, it's one thing to know them and you, you know, I don't know. Most people will like to write them down and you're supposed to revisit them and look at them. But when you're actually living them and you feel like your day to day, whether it's personal or professional, and you can actually connect those dots, there is this like sense of like renewed energy that you have. And 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 that's just that's just what I've been feeling lately. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's so it's so exciting. It's like, you know, because people always like try to, you know, there is this happiness is like this fleeting thing where they're trying to grab it, this like tangible thing. It's not really, right? It's what's it's within you. It's how you reframe things. It's how you work. But those core values and, and being able to live them, that's a foundation, I think, of, of really everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, what I love is, so we talked last week about, um, uh, about values and, and exploring our values and living our values mm. with our, our guests last week, which just ties in so beautifully because yeah. I think it's a great jumping off point for our conversation this week, which we titled owning the interview. Um, and, and really uh, several people asked me, they're like, well, what are you going to like get into the details of how you do a great interview? And I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe, but I think what we were thinking when we we're talking about owning the interview is this idea of like, what do you show up as, or who do you show up as and with even before the interview starts? 
So, yeah. and this is any kind of interview because it could be this kind of interview too. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I was reading this book and it was like, start, stay, or, or leave. And it was so interesting. And it talks about thinking when you go into something, thinking about the end, like what do you want to get out of it? And then working backwards from there. And sometimes that's how I approach things. And you almost kind of look at it as like, like, why am I doing this? Like the why? And then what am I looking to get? And then you're kind of thinking about how do you want to show up because you already know what your objective is at the end. Do you know what I mean? And like what you're looking to gain out of it. And that way, I just feel like it's it's structured, but you almost feel like it's more productive that way. Yeah. And that can work like in an interview, right? So really understanding yeah. when you when you're interviewing, what is what is that outcome that you're looking for? Um, it's not always landing a job, it's landing the right job, right? Making sure that right. you're connecting with that company. But it's also about, I think, the work that you do before you even start the interview. And that's even beyond the interview. Like, what are you really like when you think about the end? What does the end feel like? Right. We might not know exactly what it looks like or what the job title is or anything like that. But we have a sense of like what it is we're really striving for as a feeling. And when we can kind of like map that out a little bit or, or kind of touch that just for a moment, then all of those pieces start to fall into place a little easier because there's like, is this going to get me closer to that feeling? right? Is this job going to get me closer there? Is this right? Is this conversation going to get me closer to that? And right. and you can really start to see how the how pieces, because those are the how pieces towards the what and the why, but we can start to see how it all fits together. Um, and it really is about understanding the end and, and what it is that you're looking for or what it is that you're, you're trying to capture in a feeling. Yeah. Well, and Oh, I'm sorry. Kim. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead, Amber. I was just, I completely agree with that because my thought was, is how exciting is it when you're preparing for the interview? What you're thinking about is what do you want them to take away with? How do you want them? How do you want to be remembered? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're preparing for it, because you want to show up as your authentic self at the same time, you're thinking, okay, well, I want them to take these three pieces away today. And so how do I get there? And what are, what questions do I ask? You know, um, what information am I researching? What am I trying to get from them? Right. Cause it's supposed to be a balanced conversation. And so I think that that's really important to understand, like, what do I want to show up as? Of course, your authentic self, but it also depends on what questions and, and how you speak and how you communicate effectively. Well, and what I'm hearing there is this idea of, of why, like, yeah. right. So you talk about kind of working backwards. And so when I work with, with, um, with organizations and individuals, I start with your, your why, yeah. because it's that why it's that, where are you going and yeah. why are you going there? So, um, I do a lot with, um, uh, pricing and contract negotiation and, and numbers, people who, who don't want to deal with numbers. And so it's, you know, I want this job because this job is going to give me the cachet that I want, and it's going to give me the salary that I want. And so it, they know that they want that, but why do they want that? Why is it important that you make $150,000 a year or $25,000 a year? Why is it right? What, what is the purpose to having that. And it goes back, I think, to what Louise was saying very much. So is what is that thing that you're looking for? 
right? That feeling, that existence, that being. And how does that tie into who you authentically are as you then go into this preparatory space? Um, and then I love what you said, right? It's a balanced conversation. So when you start with your why and you kind of pull yourself back into like, what is it that I actually want? So from my why, what is it that I want? And then how do I get there? And how do I create this balanced conversation to make sure I know what I'm getting in addition to they know what they're potentially getting? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's really good because it's like it's it's what you want that's tangible and it's what you want that's not tangible. Right. It's it's what you want that what kind of environment do I want to work in? What kind of people do I want to work with? What are the company's core values and do those align with mine? Right. So, I mean, those kind of pieces, like even that concept, like the sense of belonging and the sense of inclusion, those are really important. And people stay at companies and they're a lot more productive and innovative when they have that. So it's really, you can have control of that at the time of interview, right? You have control to research and ask them the tough questions. If you have two interviews and you still don't say, can I interview with a couple more people on the team? Mm -hmm. You have every right in the world to continue to dig and dig until you feel comfortable because this is, this is where you're going to be at and you need to be able to thrive and you deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting because there's that power shift, right? Yeah. We yes. think that the organization maintains all the power and the reality is it's if it's if it's equitable, if you're both walking to the table, it's just like with any other negotiation, if you're walking to the table, you want to feel as though there's equitable power. Yeah. Right? That you're both showing up with something. You're showing up with your expertise, they're showing up with an opportunity. And so when you when you look at it that way and you have the opportunity to ask the questions to dig and I love that advice to say who else can I talk to right I haven't gotten necessarily everything that I need who else can I talk to um if right belonging I think most people at this point know that belonging is the reason why people stay in organizations yeah. right it's the reason why they stay anywhere is because they feel as though they belong yeah. um and so if you're not getting that from the interview, you know, maybe it's a recruiter that you're never going to have contact with again. So maybe there's an opportunity to say, hey, this isn't working, but I'd love to have an opportunity <laughs> to see if something else would. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's so interesting too, because interviews are like, that's the beginning of your relationship, right? Yeah. That's your first date. Um, and if you're not showing up as yourself and you're not getting that information that you need, you set up that, that, that power dynamic right from the beginning. And now you've given your power away, right? Because you, you feel like you're desperate or you, right? Like you just really need into this relationship. You really need into this, into this job for, for a whole bunch of reasons, right? right? That you, that you feel like you, you need it. And you, you gave your power away at the interview. And so how does that set you up for any kind of career success if you are not in control, right? Now you're leaving it up to the organization to help you be successful at your job, to help you get a promotion, to help you, right? And and we sit back and, and we, just, we just let it happen. Yeah. And then five, 10, 15 years goes by and you're like, holy crap, where the heck am I? <laughs> <laughs> Two years go by. Well, yeah. whatever that is, right? Yeah. I was going to say even six months could feel like a lifetime, right. quite it honestly. Yeah. Wrong place, in right? the wrong place. Yeah. When you're in the wrong place. Yeah. 
Yeah. I agree. I love the owning your interview, owning your career. You know, what I always give advice is when you start the interview, don't don't start it with them just asking you questions. If they say, hey, before we get started, do you have any questions? Be like, absolutely, I do. Because that way, you're the one that's starting in control. You also take that time to know how the person interviewing you, you get to know their personality a little bit, right? So you know who you're talking to. So you don't have to go in there cold and just wait for them to barrage you with questions. Go in there and say, hey, before we get started, I have a few questions from my research that I did. And you can ask them the hard questions. Mm -hmm. If there was scathing reviews on Glassdoor, ask them about the scathing reviews on Glassdoor, you know, whatever is appropriate and whoever you're speaking mm -hmm. to. But um, that way you're owning it from the very start. There's yeah. a beautiful quote here I want to share. Don't be a supporting actor in your own career story. Thank you so much, Amy. Absolutely. Do not be a supporting actor in your own career story. And I think that's what we're talking about here is, is when we own the interview, when we own our career, when we own ourselves and our worth and what we're showing up with, we're not going to be supporting actor, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you were talking about asking questions and I know over the years I've heard so many people say, well, how do you even know what question to ask? Like, I always just want to know how much money I'm going to be paid and how much I have to actually work. And it's like, well, okay, yes, I get that. And hopefully, you know, with some pay transparency, which Louise and I've talked about before as well, with some pay transparency, hopefully that's not your first question anymore. Right. But like, yes, you want to know if this is even a good fit for like the lifestyle that you want to live. What else are you curious about? Like, this is the thing that I don't think that we, we don't train ourselves enough. We don't practice enough is that I, is curiosity. Yeah. Like, why are you even interested, truly interested in this job? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I've got a great one. So as an interviewee is to be really curious about what is it about your resume that led to the invitation here to the, to the interview? Mm -hmm. Like what, what was it? What did you is pick it, me? Did I, did I, what, did I use fun font or like, <laughs> what was it? Right. Really try to understand, get really curious. And that, again, that, that shifts the, the, the conversation to say like, there's already something that you love about me to, to have this, to have this uh, invitation here today. So let's start with that. Let's start with why you love me um, and, and go from there. It's, <laughs> Or at Why least not? interested, like, right? Right? Yeah. It's like online dating. If you're at least interested, then we've started the conversation. <laughs> right. But, right? Yeah. I love that. I love started with that. You know, one of the ones that I always um, tell people is about expectations. You know, people are like, oh, what are the expectations of the role? I'm like, you should really dig in further. Like, what mm -hmm. gaps do you currently have on your team? Is this position going to fill those gaps or are we still going to continue to have? Because then you know when you're walking in what is not there as well, because they're very keen to tell you everything that they do have, but what mm. are they not telling you? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think that gap question is huge because I know that as an interviewer, when I have had, when I've been yeah. interviewing for roles, people who ask those kinds of questions that really want to know what the reality of the role is, I'm more interested in. Yes. Because it's not just somebody who's looking for a job. 
it is somebody who's looking for an opportunity. Yes. And it it honestly doesn't matter what the role is. Right. It's right. If you're interested in that opportunity, you want to know more about it. And and there's a lot more than, you know, what are my hours and, and how much do you pay? Um, it does go to what are those gaps? What I love that question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And the whole, the whole, the whole part too, uh, around that, that first interview or the first interaction is that if you are really showing up and you are asking the questions that you are genuinely curious about and you want to know more information and, and that's part of who you are, like, that's really you just laying it all out to say, like, yeah. I am interviewing here, just like I'm going to work here right? Like I'm going to be asking the tough questions. I'm going to be looking for information. I'm going to be whatever that is, right? Um, if you're quiet and you're a head down worker and and that's what the role needs and that's who you are, that's right. how you show up in the interview, yes. right? And and the more you can be in alignment with who you are in that moment, then the the closer to success that you, you get, because it's not, maybe it's not this job that's success for you. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the next one or the next one. But, so you touched yeah. on something there that I'd love, Amber, to hear your um, your thoughts on is this idea of being quiet. We all show up in different mm-hmm. ways, right? We, yeah. And so for those of us who are, re- who are, you know, truly introverted, very quiet, not very comfortable talking to people we don't know, all of a sudden we're in this strange thing, like dating is uncomfortable, right? Like, right? So if we're showing up, how do we own it when it is really scary to even be there? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I read this article is about the power of introverts and, and I loved it because I'm an introvert. And I just thought, I was like, ah, oh, they are so powerful, right? And, you know, I think, I think there's a few things you can do. I think as an introvert, you could be very self-conscious about it, which is what I was kind of hearing. And I think preparing yourself in a way where you feel comfortable, at the end of the day, you're going to be nervous you know, even if you remember, hey, nervous and excited are the same feeling. At the end of the day, you can't really, you can drink water, you can do a few laps, you're going to be nervous. But what you can do to feel more confident and you can feel better, especially as an introvert, is preparation. And if you're doing the right things to prepare. Like I have to tell you, some of the classics I feel have gone away. Like something as simple as who are the competitors? Because their people are so focused on the role learn about the company because the company is going to drive a lot of these changes. Departments will to a certain extent, but the company is pretty important. So what I would say is part of it is being confident that you are an introvert and owning it. And you can do that by preparing in the best way and showing up. A lot of times you can show up and it's a one-on-one or even one-on-three. So it's still a small enough team where you can still kind of be yourself, but I would own it. You don't have to be the loudest person in the room, but if you're asking the right questions and you're coming back with thoughtful responses, that's what's going to be memorable. And, you know, I think we said it at the top of the, at the podcast, it was talking about like about what, how you feel, right. And people don't Mm -hmm. remember what you say, but they remember how you feel. And, if you're able to do that and get your message across in a very effective way, it really doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, what comes to mind also is we try and be so prepared, right? Like memorizing all of these things. It's also okay if you don't memorize them. It is like show up with your notes. It actually shows interest. 
<laughs> and take notes. Take notes. And I take was just going to say, exactly. take, take notes. notes. To show, like if you've done your research, it's okay to show, like if you don't memorize things well, show up with them on paper. Mm -hmm. If you know you want to ask questions, but you're afraid you're not going to remember what those questions are, show up with them on paper. It doesn't I, look bad. I agree. And the fact of like, you know, when you get a thank you note and it's like, thank you for your time today. I can't, I look forward to the next. And you're kind of like, we had such a beautiful conversation. It was so great. And then you have a one or two liner and you thought, what did they really take away from it? Like if you sit there and take notes and you put a quote in and put one or two articles in and you follow up with that, not only is there a lasting impression in the conversation that you had, they actually have an email to say, well, here's a couple of articles and here's exactly what I've learned and what I've walked away with that's a lasting impression. That's mm -hmm. much more powerful than someone being, you know, assertive in the interview. Yeah. And, and thank you notes are not dead. It's handwritten ones won't get there in time, but you can yeah. send a thank you email. Mm -hmm. um, and they go a long way. I do just want to pop up in here. Um, Amy Blackman um, shared with us the quiet power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. It's a book by Susan Cain, and it is about the power of introverts as a fellow introvert. Um, it is a phenomenal book. Mm -hmm. Um, those of us in leadership, those of us in hiring decisions, those of us on teams, read it if you haven't. Thank you, Amy, for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I think also, too, is that to remember, just like when you're dating, right, like it, it doesn't have to be that final interaction, right? And so you get to, like, you get to follow up, right? You get to say thanks. And you also get to say, hey, like, you know, I'm going to add some more. I, I'm, maybe I wasn't happy with the way I answered because I was really nervous. And yeah. so taking that back and saying, you know what, I'm just going to add, I'm going to add some more because that's really, that's really what I'm thinking. And I really like to share that, like that stuff's okay too. And there's not like this doesn't have to be polished, has to be professional for sure, right. but it doesn't have to be polished. Um, and to not worry and get stuck so much on like, what's the, what's that, what's that next right thing? Right. Um, what, what do you, what do you feel like? Right. How do, are you stepping into that? Um, and, and being really authentic, being really open to saying, right. Um, I didn't, I didn't nail the interview, but man, do I have a lot to say now? Um, that's okay too. Yeah, I will tell you, I, I had somebody do that um, a few months ago where they said, you know, I answered this question and and I just wanted to give you a little bit more context on why I answered it this way. And I wanted to give you more. And so they wrote it in there. And I thought to myself, how awesome is that? They reflected, self-reflected on our conversation, the interview, and then was thoughtful enough to come back and explain it a little bit further. Because I think they kind of realized I wasn't necessarily satisfied with the response, but they just couldn't get there at that time. And I'll tell you, I uh, we ended up hiring that person, and and I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed the fact that they did that. Because my thought was, is it's not about getting it right the first time; it's about continuous improvement. And that shows to me that they do that just every day. Yeah. Well, and I think that lends itself to this, um, right? We talked about introverts and showing up and how hard it can be for them. Uh, individuals who are quote unquote neurodivergent. And I, mm. I, those of you who talk to me know I don't love that term, but the, those that process more slowly, those that need a yeah. little bit more time, interviews can be very challenging sometimes depending yeah. on, on how you show up. And so 
having that opportunity to know and to give yourself some grace and courtesy and to say, I actually need some time to reflect on that. Like, I think, I, I know if I was interviewing somebody and they said, you know what, I, I wasn't actually prepared for that question. Um, I know myself well enough to know that that's one I want to reflect on. Can I give you my answer to that later? Um, like I would respond very well to that because okay. then, right, then I know that's who they are and that's what they need to do. And if they're going to be a member of this team, that's fantastic. Let's work that into this. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and it circles back uh, to what Amber was saying at the top of our episode too, around those transferable skills, because that's what we're talking about, yeah. right? Our whole conversation today isn't about, right, how you put together an Excel spreadsheet or your leadership style. <laughs> like we didn't talk about any of that. Right. Um, so this is really what we're talking about. It's these finding these ways to say, right, I'm flexible, I'm adaptable. It's okay that I fall because I'm going to get right back up and I'm going to keep going, right? All yeah. of these things, how you actually show up is so key. Sure, we, we talk about, right, problem solving and, right, uh, right, critical thinking and creativity. Those are all great. You've worked those into, right, into your answer. And literally how you show up is yeah. also a transferable skill. You just, it just oozes from you if, if, that's, if that's what you have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree, especially nowadays, the adaptability piece, you know, it's, it was always so underrated, I felt like, and now it's really been highlighted over the past several years, just given what's been going on. And I mean, companies are constantly trying to adapt and they're constantly trying to, you know, skills change and roles change and everything else. And so if you're able to tell a story around that, cause it's one thing to say, Hey, I'm adaptable, right? <laughs> it's it's another thing to say, let me tell you about a time where we solved a problem and I was really able to shift the mindset of this team, or I was really able to shift, automate these responsibilities and, and really go into the characters in the story and what you did and then those common threads at the end. To me, it's a structured story and then it, it speaks volumes and it shows an example at the same time. I'm so glad you brought up storytelling because, so you talked about, it's not, it, it's about how you leave people feeling, right? Yeah. And we leave people feeling by telling stories. Yes. So when we show up for an interview, whether we're the interviewer or the interviewee, because as the interviewer, you're also telling the story of the company, of the team. Yeah. So using storytelling to give examples is so important because it's, it, you know, I have a very <laughs> checkered past when it comes to my, uh, my, my own career journey, right? I had a lot of different things and people didn't always see the transferable skills, but I had a story as to why this would be beneficial, why I see things differently than somebody else who you would hire that maybe has had the same title that you're hiring for now. So having that ability to tell your story um, and to give examples of how things have played out. And I will say, yes, in the workplace is ideal, but even if it's in other areas of your life, volunteering, um, doing community work, um, even in your family, like yeah. those, you can show how you can handle these things with a wide variety of stories that you can show up with. 
Yeah. I love that about extending it to your personal life, because especially now that balance has been highlighted as well. And there are activities that you're doing and there are like leadership opportunities and working with the community and also living core values. And so I, I love that. That's a really, really good aspect. And I think people have been so afraid to bring their personal selves and their authentic selves to work because it's like you don't want to show emotions and you don't want to talk about personal and now that floodgates have been opened a little bit and so doing that at the point of entry at the interview is absolutely perfect well and i i think that lends itself to am i even in the right organization am i talking to the right organization because if you show up and share something an, an example from your life or show up authentically as yourself and it's not the right fit that's not about you it's right. just not the right match. Yep. Well, and let's get it over right at the beginning because again, <laughs> we don't want to be five years in and go, well, that was it. Don't know how you last five years in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious because we're talking about this in terms of the interview, the first time that we we are there, right? Because that's typically when we have an interview. I would love to just, you know, in the last few minutes that we have here, actually talk about interviewing on the way out. Because we don't generally take an opportunity, and it can be on the way out of the interview process, which is actually how I meant it, but it can also be on the way out of the company. So when you are going through an interview process and you don't land the job, you don't stick the job, do you ever ask, do you ever go back and say, you know, what was it, right? You, you were intrigued by me at the beginning and yet this, something happened in the process. What happened in the process? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Cause that I think is part of owning the interview as well. I completely agree because you want to make sure you want to be able to get feedback. It's interesting because um, our team, we just implemented candidate, candidate surveys because we wanted to get their feedback through the employee life cycle. And why wouldn't you do that at the interview as well? Right. So um, I think that it is totally appropriate to go back and try to get feedback. And I'll tell you, you know, feedback is kind of in the eye of the beholder. It's a little bit sometimes tells you more about the person giving the feedback than the person receiving it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of take that a little bit. But if you have enough interviews, most people these days are interviewing with multiple organizations at one time. And so if you're getting repeat the same type of feedback, OK, maybe you need to kind of self-reflect and look and try to pivot a little bit. And I think going back and, and asking, it's one thing to say, what's the feedback? Why didn't I get the interview? Mm -hmm. I think you might get one of those very generic responses. Right. I think it's about that being curious and saying, hey, I didn't get the interview. Wish you the best of luck. Here's a few questions, some things that I thought of, and really try to itemize it a little bit so you get that productive feedback. Because if you just say why I didn't get the interview, you're probably going to get, well, there was someone else that was better fit for the position <laughs> or there's going, you know what I mean? They're yeah. going to say something. But if you come back and have a few different questions and go to the hiring manager that interviewed you or go to multiple people, not the exact same email. I'm not, I'm not yeah. suggesting sending an email with seven people on it. Um, doing a personalized email to each person, you might be able to get a little bit more insight into yourself or the company. And uh, you can yeah. take that to the next. Yeah. And you usually have an idea of what 
may not have landed, yeah. right? And so, you know, focusing your feedback, feedback's only good if it's direct and very specific. And so yeah. you start the ball rolling with with your direct question and say like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I, this question landed or maybe, you know, was it, you know, you know what that is and right. you can start there. Um, around what maybe didn't work. And, and you're right, right? Some feedback can poke a little and it can be tender sometimes. Um, and that's okay. Um, but being brave enough to ask for it and then figuring out if it is something that you want to work on, um, right? Work on it with a friend, a call, right? A, a, a peer, um, a, coach. Start a coach, you know, but start talking about what's working and what's not working for you because they can also really help, um, help you kind of through some of those tender moments. Cause if you're thinking that you land in an interview and you're like, yeah, this was aces and I can't wait to work here. And then it goes sideways. Like that's some tough stuff sometimes to go through. Yeah. And, and I think that goes back to owning it. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Because we, when we own something, we're taking full responsibility for it. So if I'm taking full responsibility for the fact that I'm now interviewing, I'm looking for to take on a new role and I've, I've gone to several places I want to own the totality of that experience. Mm. So I want to own when it doesn't go right. So what, what didn't go right about me or, or what didn't go right, right that I learned that, oh, no, I actually saw this um, in, those, in those interviews that didn't stick well with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I was just thinking that. I was like, feel free to give feedback to the organization that you interviewed like hey the the hiring manager just didn't come prepared and i don't think that they took this interview seriously you know and maybe you polish it up or maybe you're just that blunt and say that and that's okay too um but but they should know because you know it is a balanced approach as we talked about before and i would be i'm very big on giving uh, unsolicited feedback uh, <laughs> because you want to make experiences better and no matter where you're at and um, the people that take that and receive it and do something with it, you know, it, it's yeah. volumes. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's such a gift too when, right. It really is um, yeah. when delivered with kindness. So yeah. It yeah. is. And speaking of delivered with kindness, one of the things that we do in, because that was a super great segue there. Um, one of the things that we do in the collective, your Kick-Ass Career Collective, um, we are really excited because we're getting ready to launch our Q1 uh, cohort. We only do four cohorts a year. Um, and so uh, if you're interested in joining us, we'd love um, for you to reach out and find out more about that. Because we have conversations like this, we give support, we have all sorts of things happening in there that that are about creating work um, that works for you. And part of it is this ownership, that authenticity of knowing that you have the ability to be somewhere um, that you enjoy being and that enjoys having you there, yeah. right? So that it's, it's that beautiful balance. And Amber, where can people find you in the world? Yeah. So um, this is Spyro. Uh, it would be great place uh, at my fantastic brand experiences organization. So we'll start there. And of course, LinkedIn. Fantastic. And all the linky links will be in the spacey space below. I think it is where it is. I don't know. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, I would love to hear about some golden nuggets. So anything that's kind of dropped into your lap there, you can't wait to put into your pocket from our conversation today. 
Yeah. So, you know, what I kind of took away was the common themes were, you know, be curious, be you, right? And so when I think about that, it's kind of like, it's be confident, be yourself, show up as yourself, because if that is not going to be what the company wants or what a relationship wants, then that's okay. You don't want to actually be there. And so, and just being curious, I think having that growth mindset, it just gets you so far. You can learn so much as an individual if you come into something with curiosity rather than anything else. So that that was my takeaways. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Cam had Louise. Oh, we're being so kind. <laughs> it's the kindness factor. Go ahead, Louise. <laughs> Um, I'm going to actually go to uh, Amy's comment that popped in uh, into our um, mm. feed today. And it's really around like, don't be a supporting actor in your own career story. Like, yes. don't give your power away right from the very beginning, right? Really take ownership of that. And, and you will see it throughout your whole relationship um, with the with the job that you do end up landing. Um, just yeah, get in that driver's seat and, and drive. Yeah. And mine is stop giving away your power. Just, you don't need to do yeah. it. Just stop giving away your power because when you can reclaim that for yourself, that's how you own the interview. That's how you own your career. Mm -hmm. That's how you don't show up as a supporting actor in any part of your life or work. So to mine, mine is really like, yeah, hold on to your power. Don't give it away. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amber, thank you so oh, much. Yeah. I had a blast today chatting with you. Ah, oh, thank you so much. What a pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was an absolute joy. Um, and next week, um, we will be, uh, our guest will be Erica Budd. Uh, and we're going to be talking about volunteering our time. So it's been a, kind mm -hmm. of a nice little thread, right? As we started talking about our values and then owning the interview and now how volunteering can play into all of this as well. So we're excited. Um, same bat channel, but it's not February 3rd, like it says on the ticker. I just forgot to update that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'd be February 10th at 2 p.m. with our guest, Erica Budd, where we're talking about volunteering our time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good okay. one. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.